Criminal Perspective. I'm Chris. I'm Andrew. On this episode, we're going to be talking to Missouri murderer Steve Parkus. Andrew. Yes. Tell us about Steve Parkus right now. Steve Parkus is a convicted murderer. He was originally sentenced to death in 1987 for the murder of Mark Steffenhagen, who was a fellow inmate. Parkus has a very interesting history and life that he's lived. A very fucked up one at that. Probably one of the worst childhoods I've ever read about. Yeah, definitely. What's crazy is him growing up, he was in an abusive household with his mom and dad, and they signed custody over to his maternal great aunt and uncle. So he went. they went from one abusive household to a much worse abusive yeah, household. Yeah, he wasn't with his parents very long, but apparently they were neglectful. His father was definitely an alcoholic, and... His mother was probably an alcoholic too. They didn't really pay attention to him at all. And he he wasn't with them very long. And then he went over to, like you said, his great aunt and his uncle. And his uncle was fucking horribly abusive. He was an alcoholic, a pedophile. and I, I don't know where to I mean, he was physically abusive. He used to beat him. He used to rape him. He, so... I don't, I don't know if he was a pedophile, but he was definitely a child molester. There is a difference. Pedophilia is a clinical term talking about the, the clinical definition of somebody who has a sexual attraction towards children, whereas a child molester is just somebody who sexually assaults a child. It doesn't necessarily mean they're attracted to them or attracted to children in general. It could just be um, a, a victim of convenience or just a very impulsive person that couldn't control their sexual urges and they take it out on a child because a child is uh, readily available to them, for lack of a, a better term. Um, so not every child molester is a pedophile. So Steve Parkes's uncle was definitely a child molester. So I don't, I don't know if we can call him a pedophile. Not that, I mean, we're, we're talking about definition here, apples and oranges, not that it is severely important but i want to make sure that the facts are straight and um steve's uncle was physically abusive would beat him rape him molest him and was like this to seemingly everybody yeah he even abused his uh the aunt actually at the time uh on occasions he would hold his wife and crack eggs over her head while i believe steve and chester would fight not allowing her to break it up or whatever and emotionally and physically abusing her too. And most of this would happen when he'd be shit-faced. He would make Steve fight his brother, Chester, physically fight for the uncle's entertainment, which is just so fucked up. And on top of that, he's raping him and he's beating him. He's beating his fucking wife. The dude was just a total piece of shit. Steve Parkus never had a fucking chance. This was just his childhood. Uh, you know, abandoned by his mother and father, abused in the most horrible fucking ways by his uncle and his aunt is, is she's abused too. I can't say that she's uh, compliant or letting it happen. She's, she's a, she's a victim of it herself. So the, the, the guy never had a fucking chance and he gets older and it's just, he has so many developmental issues and he has so many psychiatric issues from a young age, from a very, very young age. Uh, do you know when his first day in a uh, psychiatric hospital was? He was only eight years old when he was first admitted to a psychiatric facility for evaluation. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and he, at eight years old, usually children are not diagnosed with 
personality disorders or schizophrenia and things like that. He had every fucking diagnosis under the sun. They had diagnosed him with, um, at the time, mental retardation, a, 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 a intellectual disability, um, schizophrenia, psychotic episodes, personality disorder, psychopathy. When he was a child, he was diagnosed with all this shit. He was immensely fucked up and all these doctors had different opinions but they were all just riddled with diagnosis of horrible um mental disorders that were very severe or personality disorders from behavior he was displaying it's just the guy never ever had a fucking chance and his life was that's what it was like it was just abuse abuse after abuse after abuse and he's starts attacking people it, i mean it, it shouldn't be surprising so when Steve Parkis gets a little bit older, around 17, he attacks a woman and he strangles her, not to death. And was this an attempted rape or did he rape this woman? Yeah, it was an attempted okay. rape. And he was tried and convicted as an adult for this, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what resulted in his 17-year uh, prison yeah, sentence. Yeah, and then... That was the that was the first rape of or the first attempted rape of the And then teacher. after that there were other women including an elderly teacher who he raped and did he escape from jail or prison at one point and attacked another person? Yeah, he yeah, he'll briefly mention uh the actually both attempted rapes and I believe the uh escape or escape attempt. He he attacked yeah, he so he's just he won't stop sexually assaulting people and and strangling them he just keeps doing it and he gets to prison when he gets to prison when he's 17 for the rape that he was that that rape that he was convicted of he is immediately tricked out by other inmates was it was he he was sold by one for a what was it like a pack of cigarettes or something well he was sold by a corrections officer for $60 to different inmates and there's been so many occasions he was found with semen dripping down his face. He was passed around from inmate to inmate. Yeah, for cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, so on and so forth. And he talks about it a little bit, why he allowed it so to he's, happen. So he's and, repeatedly raped and abused while he's in prison. And what happens after that? He, who, Who's the, his, his victim that he kills in prison was a, was it a cellmate? Um, I know it was a neighbor. I don't, I don't remember if it was a cellmate or not. His name was Mark Steffenhagen and he'll speak about his relationship with him in the interview. And I guess the motive behind the murder as well. Yeah. He, um, he, he gets a sexual excitement from strangling people and he, he went all the way with Mark Steffenhagen and strangled him to death. And, uh, after that he was sentenced to death, was on death row for a while. And then in the, in the nineties, I believe his sentence was overturned and now he's doing life without parole. Yeah. Pretty crazy case. And he's, he really didn't seem to have a care in the world, whether he lives or dies. If, if I had his life, I wouldn't give a fuck either. I, I mean, I, I hate to say that, but right. Yeah. It's sad because he tells me he has no family. I mean, he has family that's alive that abused him, whatever. And he literally has nobody in his life that loves or cares about him, and he never has had anybody that loves or cares about him. So 
I can't imagine. Yeah, he's completely beyond repair at this point. I mean, the guy's... It's it's so shitty. And people don't consider this stuff a lot of the time. They They see, oh, guy keeps raping and strangling people and they're like oh it's a good fucking thing he's in prison this and that i mean yeah it is it, i mean it's a great thing he's in prison but at the same time i mean like this guy is a fucking victim up and down he has suffered his entire fucking life it's a wild interview so let's just go ahead and get to it um we're gonna take a quick commercial break and when we come back you will hear our interview with steve parkas Andrew. Yes, sir. Guess what I was doing today. I could only wonder. <laughs> I was meeting with my therapist on betterhelp.com and it was my first appointment and it was amazing because I got on the app, I signed up, I took a quick questionnaire, maybe one minute, two minutes tops. And the next day they matched me with a licensed therapist I scheduled a session with my therapist today. She was absolutely wonderful. I'm scheduling another session for next week. And I couldn't be happier with BetterHelp.com. It's just so awesome and convenient. How You want me to tell you a little bit about it? I would love to hear some more. BetterHelp.com is a really convenient way for you to connect with licensed therapists. They have an app. You can sign into it. You can have, you have a journal. They have help groups. I can't talk about how convenient and affordable it is. They can offer grants. It, you know, maybe you can't pay for it, but you need some some mental health counseling. They have licensed therapists. Access them 24 hours a day. You can schedule sessions via phone, chat, or video. How's it sounding so far? That sounds actually really cool. It's it's great. They the therapists abide by HIPAA laws, so they're not out there blasting your shit on social media. It's and and they have licensed professionals. Some people may not have in their area if they're in a rural area and there's not a lot of licensed professionals available, but they have licensed professionals in the following. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and this one's for you, Andrew. Self-esteem. Yeah. So now that you've heard a little bit about BetterHelp.com, are you going to go sign up? Yes, I definitely am. I'm going to go check it out. I was just with my therapist the other day, but I'm definitely going to check this out and see if, uh, you know. Double up, do two sessions a week? Yeah, most definitely. You can never have too much help when it comes to mental health. You absolutely cannot. So I want everybody listening to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash criminal perspective. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash criminal perspective. Okay, can you tell us about your childhood and what it was like growing up for you? My uncle always get drunk and beat up everybody in the family and rape them and shit. So you were born to Linda and J.W. Parkus in St. Charles, Missouri. Your mother was an alcoholic and drug user, correct? I, I think so. I don't know. I only seen her a couple of times. I know, I know she was a diabetic, but I didn't, I didn't know she drank. And your father was an alcoholic, right? Yeah, my father was, definitely. And your father was in and out of jail himself, right? Yeah, he was in prison, too, back in the early 60s. What was he in prison for? I don't know. I just know he was. He was up at the wall. What were the living conditions like when you were living with your mom and dad? Well, 
I didn't live with my mom and dad for I I I lived with my I lived with my mom and dad for years. I I was adopted by my aunt and uncle, and my uncle was real abusive with the family. And every time he got drunk, he would beat up everybody in the family and rape them and sodomize them and shit. From from what I understand, you live with your mom and dad, and they signed over the rights to your aunt and your uncle, or your great aunt and your uncle. Yeah, I was scared to death of it. That's why I used to run off all the time to get away from it, and get away from get away from it and shit. That's why I used to run off all the time. Steve, how did you feel when your uncle was abusing you or raping you? Did it make you feel angry? Yeah, it made me angry. Was this a daily occurrence, Steve? Yeah, yeah it was damn different. It, well, actually, I had trouble with my brother and, and Taylor, right? Chester, he was so scared of my uncle that he used to, he used to do stuff that make, 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 let me get the ass off the floor, right? Like bust up the fish tanks, uh, jump in the swimming pool, punch holes in the bottom of the swimming pool, and Blamed it on me, stole some cigarettes from Taylor, blamed it on me, and I got all the answers. So I got tired of this shit. So I started running off. In, in reference to the cigarettes, you were beaten with a belt, fist, and you were hit on the head with a monkey wrench uh, in that occasion, right? Yeah. From what I understand, he would make you and Chester fight each other for entertainment sometimes? How did it make you feel when your uncle made you physically fight your brother Chester for his entertainment? I, I don't know. I just, I just, out of fear and reaction, I just punched Chester out of, out of fear. Yeah, I punched my, punched my foot off my uncle. I'm afraid my uncle will whoop me with that, with that belt. He used to whoop me with again. So I went ahead and hit Chester in the and he hit me back, but. Uh, I, I know both of us were scared to death of Taylor. I know Chester, I know Chester did all this stuff in order to keep him getting beaten and stuff like that. So he's blaming all me and I take all the ass off us. Did you feel bad when you had to punch Chester? Yeah, I did. Did you guys ever speak about the abuse you and Chester had to go through? Did you and Chester ever communicate about that? Did he tell you how? No, we, we never really communicated with him. We were never really close because I blamed him for a lot of stuff that went on in that house. And if, it wasn't for, if he hadn't been doing all that stupid shit, I would have never gotten on a lot of them assholes shit like that. Now Taylor, Taylor, when he got drunk, he would beat up everybody in the family. I, remember, well, I didn't know at the time, but one 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 day, I can't remember when it was, uh, Taylor was drunk and we had his mother staying with us. Did this make you want to hurt people, how you were being treated at home? Yeah, I thought, every, I thought, every, I thought everything was like that. I've been, I've been to, to, to a lot of shit, and it's like a, 
like every time I turn around, something was going on. Something, somebody was either getting beat up, raped, or tortured, or died. Steve, on one occasion, your uncle used a meat cleaver, and he made you put your he made you put your hand on the counter, and he nearly severed your right index finger. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah my right index finger had to saw that damn girl lost it. But had been for Bernice, I lost my hand. I mean, my finger. She's the one that got me to the hospital. What happened? Why did Why did he do that? Because I stole. He came to church and told him I stole a little cigarettes from him. And I which I didn't even, I didn't even start smoking until I was in that 1985 when I was at the wall. I didn't start smoking until then. Steve, how did all the trauma from this abuse show itself in your behavior? No, I was mainly attacking women, mainly attacking women, trying to rape them. At the time, I was confused, and uh, I thought this was the way the war was. And, uh, so I, 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 I acted out. The way, uh, way, uh, way, I, way I felt, I just acted out like that. I wish I didn't now. I will now. I wish I didn't do nothing that, but I did. It's too late for all that. All the thing I can do now is make sure it don't happen again. You originally went to prison for you raped a school counselor. No, I had a, no, I had, it was assault with attempted rape, assault with attempted rob, and breaking out of jail. So when you were 17 years old, you tried to rape and choke a woman, and you were sentenced to 17 years in adult prison. Yeah, that was Miss Bishop. And while you were incarcerated on this case, you broke out of jail, and you sexually assaulted and tried to strangle another woman. Yeah, yeah I broke out of jail. Me and Chris Collins them did. How did you break out of jail? Tell us about the attack on the woman when you broke out of jail. Yeah, I attacked the woman. Now, today, I don't know why I did that. I know I did out of reaction. I wasn't trying to rape her. I just did it out of reaction. Because it scared me. She startled me when she walked up on me like that. And stuff like that. So I, 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 I attacked her. And then I ran out of the house, ran down, down the road, and I got lost. And then uh, the cops finally called me. After, after they called me, they told me uh, that the woman that I attacked was my lawyer's wife. I didn't know that. So he had, he had, to, he had to get signed to another case because they wouldn't let him represent me in court because I attacked his wife. The commonality between all your victims is that you strangled them with your hands. Why did you choose specifically to strangle them with your hands every time? Because I was, I was going through the same thing they were going through. And, and, and I 
we and my uncle and them used to do that stuff all the time. I used to watch people while they do it, and they seemed to get enjoyment out of it, so I started getting enjoyment out of it. So you choked these people because it got you sexually excited? So now in the story, you've attacked two women, and you're back in prison, and now, while in prison, you tried to rape and strangle an elderly school teacher? Yeah, I tried to rape a school teacher. Can you tell us some things about that? Which one? Talking about the one at Boom or the one at the wall? You tried to rape two different teachers? Yeah, one at the, one, one at the wall. I got 60 years for that. And it's supposed to only file assault when Tiffany raped on him, but the, the judge took back his plea and gave me 60 years. I, man, I was mad motherfucker. He, he gave me that 60 years. I, I pled guilty to assault when Tiffany rape, which it, which it was. And uh, I didn't complete the rape, and they, yeah, he, gave, he gave me 60 years. And I said, oh, no, The 60-year sentence, was that the, on the uh, attack on Betty Weber in prison? No, that was, a, that was an attack. Okay. Steve, when you were strangling these people, were you trying to kill them? No, I was just mainly trying to scare them, to give me what I wanted and stuff like that. I, I, I started acting like my uncle, and I didn't realize it until I, I did certain things, and I realized what I did was wrong, and I tried to recover from it. It was too late. And when you got to prison, you were actually victimized and raped by other inmates. Is that correct? From what I understand, according to um, multiple prison documents, at one point you were sold to another inmate for $60 as a sex slave, and another occasion, uh, at one point you were stripped naked and paraded down up and down the cell block by prison guards who were asking yeah, inmates yeah. who wanted you for sex? Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was Gary Walker, Lieutenant Durham, Derrickson, Everly. They were all involved. ...and may be monitored and recorded. They the couple of them, the white shirts had boys they still and stuff like that. Even the warden had a boy still living in there. They used to give them all kinds of privileges to do whatever they wanted in the prison. Or even go out go out in town, stay a little bit, look three, four hours out of town, come back into the prison system. It was you know, all you all you have to do is when you get time call Jeff City uh, to the Cole County police officer and talk 
talked to him about Don Warren, about the investigation they had, uh, uh, they had done on the Warren administration, about all the stuff that was going on at the wall back then. You, you, you don't know, you don't know what I was up against. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you had to call the FBI because they're the ones that tried, they tried to indict him three, four, five different times. I could never indict because all the, the inmates would take the ball for it. They would say they did it, but all the time he did. So he got the, he would promise them boys or something like that. In return, he'd give them a little special privileges for they to take the ball for work. And now that's what they did. He, he had he had what they call the inmate hit squad, and the inmates killed people in prison over Donald Warren and Gary Warren. You know, used to kill them all the damn right. They were they were having killings two weeks, two killings per week every week up there. Steve, let's talk about the case that landed you on death row. Yeah, I, I killed I kill Martin because I got tired of, uh, of inmates abusing him and shit like this. So I figured I went in and killed him and put him out of his misery. So you're saying you killed him because you were tired of other inmates abusing him and you didn't want him to go through what you went through. Yeah. Steve, from, from what I've read, you were having anal sex with him while he was strangled to death? Were you having anal sex with him while he was strangled to death? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. I didn't realize I did anything until after I did. I, I, was real, I was real confused right now. I was high on medication. I was on medication. Stuff like that. I kept having kind of all kind of weird thoughts in my head. And I was real paranoid of a lot of people. I was even scared to death of my own brother. I wasn't even living next door to my own brother. I was scared to death. Steve, you said you strangled that victim to stop him from being further abused, but it sounds like you got sexual pleasure out of strangling him. Yeah, it did. It did make me sexual pleasure. I kept saying, like, I kept talking to myself and trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I, 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 I knew I was going to get into trouble for being in the cell. And I know, I know, I know the guards, man. There's a, yeah, a lot of corrupt guards up there, and I was scared to death of them. I knew I didn't have nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, so I went there and sprang them so I could get put on death row. So they executed me, but they didn't execute me. What was death row like? Well, I made made me kind of weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. I wish I didn't do it now, but I I mean, it's hard to describe for what I'm talking about. Only God and Jesus know they know what I'm talking about. Do you feel like now you're a threat or a danger to other people? No, I, I don't feel like I, I get along with a lot of the inmates now. So I'm, I'm, I've been knowing a lot of them since I was on death row. So I, did, so I got to know them real well. So I'm, I'm, I feel more confident about myself and, uh, and stuff like that. And, and, and just admitted that what I did was wrong. This stuff right there that's in the past and not let the past get me down. Like this one female told me, I can't let my past get to me. You can't let what work and I did get, 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 me, get me to my lowest point. That's what they want. They want somebody to be evil like that. Steve, have you ever been diagnosed with any mental illnesses? Yeah, they got, they got me dying, being diagnosed as schizophrenic and uh psychotics, behavior, stuff like that. They got me on a bunch of medication right now. A bunch of psychiatric medication and, and sleeping medication too. 
I don't be thinking all that weird shit all the time. And your brother, your brother Chester, died in prison, correct? Yep, died, died in Crossroads 2007 when I came off of death row. Hmm. I was sitting there brushing my teeth one day and my Chester's picture fell out of my, out of my light and I don't know how it happened, right? I had, I had a feeling that something was wrong, something went right when this picture fell out of my, out of my light like that. And the first thing I, First thing I said when he called me down there to interview me and tell me Chester was dead, I said, Chester's dead, ain't he? She said, yes, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I just got feeling that he died. She said, said, yeah, he died of a massive heart attack. How'd that make you feel? Weird. I knew something happened. I just didn't know what. I just knew it was something bad, though. Well, before before we end this, is there anything you would like to say? Get off your chest. Uh, just give me what did I'm in the garden. Give me what I did. I'm ready to do my life better and stuff like that. And don't go through the same shit I went through before and stuff like that. Stay out of trouble. Don't give people no problems. Somebody like you know. I I ain't afraid to fight back. Somebody like that. If I get whooped, I get whooped. I just I ain't. I, That was our interview with former Missouri death row inmate, current life without parole inmate, Steve Parkus. Um, it, it's crazy. That is, it's just fucking nuts. The guy can, he, he can hardly function. I mean, it's, it's sad. It is fucking sad, man. I know people always talk about, uh, Eileen Warnos and a lot of people have pity and sympathy for her, um, empathy. Uh, she definitely had a very fucked up life. It doesn't excuse any of her behavior, um, but it explains it. And same with Steve Parkis. It does not excuse anything he's done or how he acts, but it definitely does explain it. And I, I, I hope that people listening to this have more consideration for the people committing the crimes rather than the general... Oh, you know, fuck them. They're they're just going around doing bad stuff. They're bad people. Fuck them. No, I mean sometimes there's something very significant behind that, and it it needs to be explored. And um, yeah, we we need to have more humanity for people in that regard. I'm not saying we got to love Steve Parkus or or say hey, it's okay. You know, the guy's fucked up. Let him strangle a couple people. Not saying that at all. But I am saying that these things do need to be considered more. When we when we when we read these stories in the newspaper, see them on the news, on the internet, whatever, we can't just jump to conclusions and be like, "Fuck that guy, death row, give give it to him." I mean, that's it's so much more complex than that, and that's why we do the show. Indeed, is that that is why we do the show. So, a few interesting points that Steve talked about i read all this extensively and to hear him talk about his uncle would beat him up rape him and everybody in the family he said it was almost a daily occurrence for him which is beyond fucking crazy and that's just heartbreaking knowing that this well i mean it's just conditioning him to to exhibit the behavior he was exhibiting and act out these same things that were acted upon him i mean it's just it's it's priming him to become a fucking monster. Yeah, and when he would run away, 
he would run away because he was being raped, beat, etc. Then I'm sure when he was brought back home, he got it even worse. I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, when you're victimized enough, it's only logical that that would that that would come out in him victimizing other. That's not to say that um, the abused abuse. That's not the case. I'm not saying that at all. Not in the least bit. However, when the abused abuse, it makes much more sense. Not to say that it's any more tolerable or okay, but it it's more understandable. Yeah, especially when everything considered, you know, this man doesn't have the full brain capacity to make decisions. No, he doesn't and... know what the fuck he, he doesn't know what he's doing. He he can't he cannot yeah. that's why he got off death row. He cannot appreciate the consequences of his actions. He can't. He is not mentally capable. He he should he should be in a psychiatric facility for the rest of his fucking life. That's where he should be. Oh yeah, he should have been there before. Absolutely he, he would have never been on death row. Had they they spotted his psychiatric problems from the age of eight fucking years old, ample time to get him to get him treatment, um, to to at least make him somewhat functional. I mean, even if he's dependent his entire life, get him treatment to make him somewhat functional. When you take a seventeen-year-old like that who has a litany of psychiatric diagnosed psychiatric problems as well as diagnosed personality disorders depending on which doctor you ask why the fuck did they just toss him in prison to to be subjected to more abuse and now he's killing somebody in prison because he's fucking having sex with them and strangling them i mean it's insane this guy should have been in a psychiatric hospital a long fucking time ago the inmate he murdered would still have his life. Steve Parkus wouldn't have had to go through even more bullshit and end up on death row. I mean, I still, I, I think, I think he should be in a psychiatric facility. I think he should have been in a psychiatric facility this entire time. Like I, it's ridiculous to me, man. Yeah. It's crazy. He does. He does deserve to be in a psychiatric facility. He needs counseling, therapy, everything. This guy's been through a lot and, I feel worse for Parkas than I do anybody we've ever interviewed. And it just breaks my heart knowing what this dude went through and continued to go through when he was even in prison and couldn't get away from any of yeah, it. Yeah, not to, not to take away from, from the people that he victimized here. Those people did not deserve any of it. Um, it's not excusable at all. Steve Parkas was absolutely in the wrong, but there's mitigating factors here. So in this instance, yes, I do consider Steve Parkus um, more so than I would uh, a um, a Brandon Roberts or someone else who we interviewed that was that was cold and um, had the wherewithal to understand how cold they are. Whereas that's not the fucking case with Steve Parkus. But I mean, we could go on and on and on, and we could have brought on a psychiatrist or um, psychologists and all sorts of of people to to talk about this but this dude has already been through a fucking ringer of doctors and he's already been diagnosed with and i mean there's nothing that we we can't we can't bring on any doctors to add to this conversation you know like it's this guy's already been through it all he's already gone through all the doctors and everything i mean there's nothing 
left to learn really about him. We're not exposing anything about him. I mean, it's just, it's just some things to think about and consider. I'm sure when people, if they come across his case, these are not things that they would fully consider if they didn't have all this information, what you're going to do with it, who the fuck knows, but it's, it's good to understand that not all of these people can and should be uh, treated equally. Parker shouldn't be in prison. He should be in a psychiatric facility. A lot of the people we talk to should be in prison, not Parkus. That's just my opinion. Yeah, he should be. Sad dude, sad life. All right, so let's wrap this up and, and get the hell out of here. Starting this Thursday at getvocal.com, G-E-T-V-O-K-L, Criminal Perspective is going to be part of the True Crime uh, podcast block. We'll be on at 8 p.m. We'll be streaming it on our um, Twitter, our Facebook, and our YouTube. But if you want to be interactive with us, Download the Get Vocal app or go to getvocal.com and sign up and be part of it. Because if you're on Get Vocal, you can be in the chat room. We can see what you're seeing and we'll open it up so that you can actually join us kind of like a Zoom. Um, but you can pop up on the stream on the stream and, and join us and ask us questions and hang out. And uh, we're going to be doing that every Thursday at 8 p.m. Uh, on Get Vocal. It's it's the criminal perspective true crime house party and it's going to be a lot lighter than this it's not going to be us talking to inmates and stuff like that it's going to be us hanging out with all our supporters and listeners and cracking jokes and talking crime and answering questions and we're going to do some true crime mad libs and it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah head over to get vocal and sign up and subscribe to criminal perspective on there make sure you're going to get vocal at 8 p.m on thursdays for the true crime house party and hang out with us and be on the stream and we're gonna have fun man so uh go sign up for get vocal and and get on that and uh yeah andrew any last words check out our patreon patreon.com slash criminal perspective give us your monies <laughs>